You're listening to Investigation Insiders by Integris Intelligence. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Investigation Insiders. This is Farhad. I hope you are all well and safe. Uh, we have another amazing guest, uh, my longtime friend and security industry mogul, Mario Doyle. Uh, from Doyle Security Services. How are you, Mario? Thank you so much for being here today. It took us long enough. Farhad, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I've heard some of your uh, past podcasts and I'm um, looking forward to the discussion. Awesome. Uh, so let me give our audience a little bit of background in terms of just our relationship. So we met, um, I mean, almost 22 years ago, which uh, again is, is crazy to think about. And we were both young managers at our respective security firms. Um, I would see Mario at all of the walkthroughs and I was just always impressed by the way he carried himself, how many people he knew and uh, probably how often he beat us out on nearly every bid that we uh, participated in together. And, you know, we share obviously an entrepreneurial spirit and overall philosophy on life, business and family. So it was pretty um, natural uh, that we developed a great friendship. Um, and we started working together when, when Tony and I left the security guard business and went into the consulting and investigation side. Um, needless to say, I consider myself very, very lucky to call you a friend, Mario. Um, and so that's the love fest component of this podcast. And uh, I, I just want to thank you again for your friendship and everything that we've sort of uh, talked about and, and collaborated on and everything um, before we get started. So, um, Perhaps uh, you can start uh, by giving our audience a broad overview of your professional background. We'll get into some of the details as we go for the two people in our audience that don't already know you. Thanks, Farad. And uh, as I've said to you uh, many times, you were the smarter one. You got out of the security guard business. But uh, I was fortunate enough to find an industry where um, you really add value in people's lives, whether it's the employees that work for you, the customers you provide service for, um, the, the, the public uh, at large, just the community as a whole. So, you know, when you, when you, when you do something every day that just warms your heart, uh, and the overall mission is public safety, uh, it's easy. Um, as, as you touched on, uh, you know, I started uh, my career uh, working for some of the strongest um, regional security companies um, that existed. Uh, I initially started off as an investigator and kind of moved up the ranks um, within the organization. But what I found was in in the late 90s uh, early 2000s the acquisition activity had started um, in our business where um, the global firms 
came out and just acquired all the strong regional companies that were service focused um, and just service driven. And um, that's what kind of led me to starting my own company. But uh, again, our my, my 25 plus years experience in this business comes from just uh, working with some of the best people, um, having some of the greatest customers that really as a in partnership where we uh, where we build programs that just improve public safety. For sure. Um, the uh, and, and we'll get into some of those aspects as we go on here. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about where you grew up and how how'd you get into the business in the first place? So uh, I grew up in uh, in the city. I grew up in Queens. I'm a I'm a, I'm a Queens kid uh, that uh, spent my uh, early life uh, running the streets of New York. Um, I was uh, at John Jay College at the time, and uh, again. Uh, had to make sure I uh, found something that was comparable to uh, my studies. And uh, the security industry uh, was, uh, was definitely an option because at that point, and as you guys all know, John Jay's focus is um, you know, security management, uh, law enforcement, police science. Um, so I was, I was scheduled um, to take all of the federal, state, and local exams. Uh, and um, But while I was waiting for that to come to fruition, I felt that the related experience that the security industry holds would help with my professional career. Um, and as I touched on earlier, I started with a regional company as an investigator and kind of moved up the ranks um, within that organization and, and within the industry. Uh, and that's what kind of helped me get going. Yeah, you know, um, actually, I, something I, I don't know the answer to about you. Did you ever like pursue uh, law enforcement at any point later on, or did you once you got into the private side, just that was it? Well, um, when once I got into the private end, I stayed in the private end. Um, yeah, and. And that was mainly because by the time I started getting um, the calls to report to the academy or go in to the next level of processing in law enforcement, I had already established myself in the security industry. You know, hindsight, yeah. uh, maybe I should have taken those uh, uh, opportunities, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, I uh, I always. I always feel like at times uh, you have a purpose in life, and um, I had a I had an established purpose in the security industry. Um, yeah. and those calls started to come in, but as as you also know, and we'll I know uh, we might touch on it today. One of my uh, uh, I, I stayed close to my passion of law enforcement just from um, you know the people that we yeah. operate with every day. And in addition to that, um, in 2006, I got appointed by the Nassau County Police Commissioner to oversee the Police Explorer program for the Nassau County Police Department, a, a program I still oversee uh, today, and a program that develops um, young adults 
into good citizens and future law enforcement officers and executives. Yeah, no, for sure. I, and you know, it, it's interesting because if you go back to like when you were in school, I mean, there really wasn't a career path. Um, like I, I, I think anyway, in the private side to really get to like the level that you're at today, right? So I think, you know, you paved the way really for others like that are now coming out of school or thinking about careers, not only on the law enforcement side, which always existed, but, you know, in terms of the private side. So um, that's uh, that's all very interesting. So so talk about, you know, one of the things I mentioned that we share is, is the entrepreneurial spirit, right? And you already talked about this briefly, but um, talk about starting your own company. Um, you talk about how it came about, but you know, just a little bit more detail in terms of that process and how it came about and when did it start that? When did you start thinking about doing that? Well, um, it, it all kind of leads back to the fact that at times I feel like I was forced into it. And sometimes you need to be thrown into the deep end. What do I mean by that? Um, I touched uh, briefly on the fact that there was a lot of acquisition activity happening uh, in our industry. And both you and I come from a background and work for organizations where quality uh, was critical. I mean, that was, that was the focus. And as that acquisition activity continued, what I found working for the organizations that acquired uh, the companies I was working for was the lack of focus on quality and the lack of focus on people. And you are who you are at your core. And uh, you know, I mean, and, and I credit I credit my parents, I credit my faith um, for who I am as an individual. And I couldn't um, continue to put my name on something that didn't put people first and provide a quality service every day. Yeah. So, yeah, no, for sure. You know, with, with that, you know, I mean, uh, I uh, I took the step. Uh, off, off, kind of going out on my own, and, and again, uh, it was it was scary. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, looking at it today, um, you, you say to yourself, "Why didn't I do it earlier?" Right? Uh, it's easier to say it's easy to say that today, but uh, it was it was scary. And I, I I remember sitting down with my wife, and my son was young at the time. Um, and 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 as you know, we you know we all live based on what we make. Uh, so it was definitely scary giving up uh, a six-figure job uh, and going out on your own. My wife had uh, one request. Uh, she said to me, I like the house I live in. Please don't lose the house <laughs> we live in. So that was, my, that was her only ask, and uh, thankfully, uh, we still live in the house, and we still love it. That's that's amazing. Um, so you, you talk about people, and again, uh, like I mentioned, I I, I always uh, admired that about you, about like your your relationships, how you connect with people, and all that sort of stuff. So 
um, I, I think we can all say there have been people that that helped us get to where we are today. So who are some of the mentors? Who are some of the people that helped you throughout your journey so far? Well, I think there's too many to list, but I'll, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk. I'll talk about uh, the person who got us started. Right. So um, I um, my first account uh, in the security industry was Mizuho Corporate Bank. Um, and um, I had serviced uh, Mizuho Corporate Bank since the mid-90s. Um, and uh, I, had a, they, I had a customer over the day, there by the name of Joe Sacco. And uh, again, when you're starting your own company, um, nobody wants to be your first customer because you don't have that established uh, book of employees, book of business, yeah. uh, that, that companies feel um, comfortable. But he knew me as an individual and he knew uh, that I would never let him down. Uh, again, just, yeah. a, a, just a person that helped us get started. So, again, uh, with, with you and Anthony starting your own business, you know getting those first few customers um, is critical because uh, un until you do that, you're, uh, you're not going to be successful. So, you know, I mean, we, we started with Mizuho in New York and New Jersey, um, a customer I still have today, thankfully. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, I always, uh, I always uh, credit Joe for, uh, for believing in me. And you know, I mean, I worked every day to make sure he never, uh, he never regretted that decision. Yeah, no, that that's that's awesome, uh, and, and that's a great story. And 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 really, I mean, again, goes back to just uh, th there's something just very special about those those the first customer, obviously, but you know, the early on, uh, you know, people that bought into you. I mean, that just never goes away. Uh, so stories, um, you know, again, our, our show is called uh, Investigation Insights, right? So one of the things that we thought about when, when creating this whole thing is to, to kind of peel the layer back, which we will as we move on here, but also, you know, share stories that kind of help better um, express different things that, you know, we're discussing. So in the security business, security uh, guard business, obviously, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of negative stories out there. Um, I was hoping to go the opposite route with you and talk about um, a positive story uh, that shows how important of a role these men and women play in the security of society. Rod, you're, you know, again, thank you for bringing that up because, again, I feel... Um, I know, I know you work on it, I work on it. Part of our roles is um, highlighting and elevating the work that is done by security officers and investigators and frontline public safety personnel. So I'll give you, I'll, I'll, if I could, I, I'm, I'm gonna give you a couple short stories uh, sure. of just some, some, some great human beings. So, um, we had a security officer that worked for us, um, Melissa McGibbon, um, and at a university on Long Island. She was responsible for 
the residence halls and was responsible in saving a life because as as part of her duties she came upon a student that had overdosed at the at the dormitory and her training her response her care is what saved that student's life and i remember speaking with the director of public safety um and he said the parents had no idea and could just were for, were forever grateful because melissa's response and her care for that student is what probably saved that student student's life and her as an individual she was all she's been involved in de-escalating domestic events and you know, again when you when you deal when you when you do security for a dormitory there's a lot of challenges with uh, with young adults you know i mean uh, at times uh, with alcohol poisoning uh, you know they've never been away from home they need people that are really looking out for their best interest when their loved ones aren't around so that's one of the stories i'll give you another quick one i had a officer by the name of Kasi Apidogo, who worked for us at a residential facility. Um, you know, again, as we know, security officers are responsible for doing patrols. But he knew the community well enough to know that he hadn't seen a particular resident on the schedule that he's used to seeing her. So on his patrol, he went by um her apartment just to check on her and when uh when he got to the apartment and kind of knocked on the door uh and kind of rang the bell he heard her uh calling for help in distress now if he didn't know his community if he didn't care as a human being and as an, as an individual you never know how that situation could have uh, could have played out so uh, you know, just an, just another example of what um, security officers do uh, do every day. I actually just presented a uh, employee of the quarter award um, to uh, a lady by the name of Letitia Lewis, who works for us at a major financial firm. Um, as part of her duties, she kind of ensures that the perimeter of the property. Um, you know, 43rd Street in Times Square, uh, the area is kind of secure. So she's, uh, as part of her role, she kind of steps out and is doing a perimeter and sees an individual that is on the sidewalk. Um, you know what I mean? And instead of laying on the sidewalk, and instead of just walking past him, uh, and she took the time to ensure that his well, ensure his well-being. And what what turned out was that he was he had overdosed. Uh, he was God knows how long he was on the street. The, the, the world was walking past him, but she took the time to stop, uh, you know, call uh, Times Square Alliance, call uh, public safety, get him the assistance uh, he needed. And we found out that from the EMTs that. He was uh, he was near death, but you know, it was uh, it was Letitia's 
attention to detail and caring as an individual and a human being that saved his life. So just a couple stories I could go I could go on all day, Farhad, but uh, I just wanted to give you just uh, tidbits of what has happened in recent um, months. So, I mean, that's a great segue into kind of what this show is about, right? So uh, the there's been a lot of changes, obviously, Mario, since since we uh, first met and started in the business, right? One of the things that seems to be obviously becoming more prevalent is the use of technology versus people. Um, and, you know, what you just talked about are great examples of why there's a need for people. And I imagine that there's going to be a happy medium with all this stuff where, where it's a combination of both. Uh, but I thought uh, it would be interesting to get with you and talk about the past, present, and future of man guarding um, and, you know, kind of work our way through it and, and, and see what your thoughts are. So, Maybe again, let's. Why don't we start by talking about if you can give an overview of what the business was like when you first started? Um, so I would say I tell people fraud all the time that security is not just guns, guards, and gates anymore. Um, when I first um, started in the business, it was more of a watchman role than which it was compared to today where you're requiring a security professional you're, you're you know i mean it felt like initially it was simply the person was there to detect deter and report but that has changed into we have to now be forward thinking we have to be it's more preventive um it's more of a strategic uh, plan for security. Um, again, with the advances in technologies, and, then, and I know we'll talk about it, whether it's, uh, whether it's the digital technology, whether it's the AI, uh, security officers and security teams are armed with information that if, if digested, regularly will give us trends to ensure that we are now coming up with intelligence-led security programs rather than just responsive security programs. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, again, that's that's interesting. So, so like, the, I, I agree with you in terms of, like, again, 25 years ago, the business was, I, I mean, people actually referred to uh, officers as like warm bodies and, you know, just, you know, observe and report. And, you know, there wasn't really much sophistication. I, obviously, I think there are like events like 9-11 and others that sort of uh, change, started the change of that. And today it's, it's, it's very, very different, right? So let, let's talk a little bit today about like, uh, I, and I know you alluded to it, but some of the things that, that, officers are involved in what are some of the things that maybe uh, technology has replaced that was being done by people before and you know how overall is it is it better or worse in your opinion um so i would say 
it's better for many reasons. I, I think technology, the advances that have taken place over the last 25 years that I've been in the business are changing that perception from a guard, a security guard, to a security professional, right? And that and that's a, that's a critical point because to your to to exactly something you just said, the mindset was I need a warm body to ensure that my facility is secure, twenty four seven. And now with the advances in technology, you don't need a warm body. So yes, there's a there's a cost associated with uh, with the technology. But there's also a reduction in the fact that you, the reduction in the amount of bodies you need to truly secure your property. And again, right. we're, we deal with human beings every day, right? So I tell people the best programs are a combination of the best people and the best technology. You may, you may invest millions of dollars and have the state-of-the-art technology, but if you don't have the right people that... That, that are maximizing its abilities, um, it's, a, it's a wasted investment. So um, again, I, you know, I find, and I'll, I will touch on it a little bit, you look at the, some of the advancements from an AI perspective. Um, you look at some of the advancements uh, from a robotics perspective. Uh, I'll give you just, a, just an example of something we're doing. We have a uh, security operations center based out of our headquarters that does remote monitoring for facilities and alarms across uh, the country. So it could have been, there was a point where there was security officers stationed um, at a facility to ensure its safety and security. Now with the advances in technology, I can do a virtual tour. I can dispatch law enforcement. I can grant access into a community. it doesn't need to have a body there. Uh, and it's you're actually managing exceptions. I mean, we've all, we've all sat in a control room with hundreds of cameras, sometimes thousands, right? It's, it's unrealistic to believe that one operator, maybe two operators are going to catch something as it's happening on, on a bank of hundreds of cameras. Um, but with the tech, but with the advances in technology and the AI that's built into the cameras today, it's actually the camera's actually telling you I've got an abnormal activity that you need to review and respond to. It could be um, it could be a rodent or it could be a intruder. But yep. you're now you're now giving you're, you're managing by exception rather than hoping to see something that might uh, come up, come across your screen for seconds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I remember when uh, we worked for Guardsmark, one of the, one of the themes, uh, you know, the, the company itself was generally higher uh, priced than many of our competitors. And uh, one of the common themes was the value of your security dollar, right? Uh, so not the spend, but the value. And... You know, like one of the things, just as you're talking, that came back to me because 
everything that you just talked about is really that is is now the spend you're getting higher value from that spend uh, through sort of the combination of the different resources that are available to you so it's kind of neat to kind of see that um, sort of connection but the um, so talk about like the future I mean what do you think what do you think the future looks like in terms of people technology robot everything I mean what, what do you, what do you think well, I uh, again, I, I feel as I touched on, it's got to be a, it's got to be a combination. We've we've got to continue to build security professionals that make uh, the security industry a career versus a job, right? That, right. and that comes with professionalizing the the positions that they're in. Um, you know, I have uh, security staff that in the past would have never considered a career in the security industry, but right. because of w where they're assigned and the value that they're adding, it, it truly gives them what they're looking for in a career. And again, it also ties to compensation, right? So, you know, we're, we're continuously elevating comp compensation to, to stay on par with the new responsibilities. I mean, you take some of our SOC operations, we've got intelligence anal analysts that are embedded in it. So it's not just um, dealing with a problem as it comes up, it's it's managing a, a global program, a regional program, or possibly a local program um, with a team of security professionals. Right. Yeah, no, um, uh, for sure. I, I completely agree with you. Now, so let, let's talk about like um, customers, right? Uh, what, well, maybe not customers is the right word, but people that are consumers of either um, outsourced or proprietary security officers. Um, what factors should they be concerned about with all of the different things that we talked about as it relates to their program? Uh, what, what makes it better or worse? Like, what should they be thinking about? Well, um, again, what I uh, what I always share with uh, just consumers in general is ensuring that the provider that they select or partner with um, continuously adds value to their program, right? Um, you know, I have, I have been successful, not because of anything I've done, but because of the team that I have developed, uh, you know, people that are better than me, smarter than me, and individuals that truly bring diversity um, when it comes to experience at the table, whether it's the military experience, whether it's law enforcement experience, or whether it's uh, experience as a security professional. Um, again, I think consumers have to look past what the rate is that's being charged for an hourly service and just look at the capabilities, the depth, uh, and and ensuring they're partnering partnering with an organization that provides solutions rather than services. 
Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, one of the things about it is that, you know, it, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Right. Uh, and I, I think you would agree even with Doyle, you are not, your company is not the right solution for every single potential consumer out there. Right. So it's important to also make sure that the company or, you know, your internal program aligns with what your specific needs are. Absolutely. Again, it's it's looking at the experience companies have in the vertical that the, that the customer exists in. Yeah. And again, it's it's the solutions yeah. um, that are brought to the table. You know, whether it's uh, academia whether it's financial, whether it's commercial real estate, whether it's the, the media industry, it, every solution has to be a customized solution. But you want a organization that has been battle tested. And again, if you look at the last couple of decades and all the challenges that you know we faced, you, you want you want a team that's battle tested. You want a company that's battle tested, because you know when when those events arise, um, and they will, um, you know, I mean, over time, you you need somebody that has the ability to s scale up and support you with whatever that need is. And you're you're absolutely right about one size one size doesn't fit all because the, the key is a partnership relationship. The key is, I, I, I tell people every all day, every day, when, when I have an organization that treats me like a security partner, they get so much more out of me, my organization, my staff, than if they treated us as a vendor that they hire to provide services. So it's that partnership relationship. It's um, it's it's that like-minded thinking. It's that progressive mentality. It's that it's that focus on continuous improvement that will get um, will make will make programs successful. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I really appreciate your feedback. Again, I, I think that you and, and the organization have really taken a lead position in, in the business. And um, I'm sure people will appreciate uh, hearing direct from you. Um, so I wanted to also, just before we, we concluded here, talk a little bit about your off the court activity, and um, I know you're involved in a lot. So, can can you tell us about some of the things that you're involved with, both in the industry and the community? Uh, absolutely. And um, so, I was. I, I tell people I was raised uh, with the mindset that you have to give back um, to the industry that puts a roof over your head and food on the table. Um, and a couple of the organizations that I've been involved in and I'm passionate about, uh, again, uh, I have spent probably close to two decades in a leadership role with ASIS International. And I think um, ASIS International uh, just 
provide so much value uh, to our industry from an education, from a networking, from just a resource standpoint. Um, you know, I've served as their regional vice president and kind of helped oversee the New York chapters uh, to ensure uh, that security professionals have the resources they need to be successful. Um, they have the relationships that are needed to be successful. Um, and more importantly, the education to distinguish themselves uh, th through professional certifications as subject matter experts. Um, in addition, I have, um, I chair uh, the US component of TINYG, which is the Terrorist Information New York Group. Um, it was a it was a counterterrorism information sharing organization that was founded after the 7-7 bombings in London. And what uh, at that point I was responsible um, uh, to provide security for the program at Thomson Reuters, which was based at Three Times Square. Um, and Tiny G came to life because we realized that major financial firms not only had a presence in the New York area, but in the Canary Wharf area of London. So along with some retired uh, law enforcement active at the time, uh, retired now from the Metropolitan Police and the NYPD, we created TinyG and it provides a resource where we're we're in close to 185 countries with members. Um, we try to provide those counterterrorism training and resources and connections to anybody that might need it to ensure uh, safety for our homeland. Uh, I touched on it a little bit uh, earlier. Uh, one of my passions uh, is, uh, is preparing the next generation of security professionals and law enforcement. And I've overseen the Police Explorer program for the Nassau County Police Department. And what I love about uh, that program is you see young adults that are uh, between 14 and 20 um, develop because of the guidance, the coaching, the mentoring, the training, the opportunities that are provided to them. You know, today I have. Um, uh, we've had thousands go through the program uh, over the years, but we've got uh, hundreds that have gone into law enforcement. But the ones that haven't gone into law enforcement still stay involved. They, you know, I always say that this pro that program builds good citizens, builds citizens that are focused on community service and uh, their community at large. So uh, those are, I would say, those are three of my uh, top of court um, activities, but uh, there's a lot more, but I don't think we have the, I don't, I don't think we have all day. <laughs> uh, no, for sure. Uh, so I, I guess the last thing I, I'd ask you before we, we sign off here is for, what would you say to young people that are interested in joining the private security space? Uh, what should they be doing? What should they be thinking about? You know, all those kind of things. Um, what I, I encourage um, 
young adults to consider a, a career in security. And again, I always say if you have an affinity to just public safety and law enforcement, uh, this this may this may become a career, but this also may be a stepping stone to help you in a career in public safety, like it did for myself. I also the one thing I asked uh, individuals, young adults, not to focus on is the, the security officer position, because there is so much more to our, our industry than just being a frontline security officers. And I touched on um, some global security operations center positions. I've talked about some uh, investigative positions. I've talked about some uh, threat mitigation, intel intelligence analyst positions. There's so much more uh, to what falls into a into the security industry than just being a frontline security officer. So I try to kind of educate them about the how wide spread our into our industry is, and the fact that you know I mean they could through education, hard work, and determination rise to being a chief security officer uh, for an organization. Yep. Because uh, when we started. 25 plus years ago for HOD, um, organizations were looking for a prerequisite in law enforcement for those chief security officer positions. Today, organizations value uh, that law enforcement experience, but more importantly, they value the certifications you have, the experience within their sector, the experience in the industry as a whole. So, you know, I mean, both we, we both know many individuals that are in CSO roles that were never in law enforcement. So there's so much right. more um, that I try to show them about our industry rather than that frontline security officer position that most people see. Uh, I mean, that's that's fantastic advice, Mario, and I I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me today. I'm, I'm, aside from just the, the the knowledge that you've sort of shared, I'm just happy uh, to have memorialized the discussion between you and I, which we do all the time anyway, personally. So uh, thank you so much for joining, uh, joining the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and the support and comments and everything else and you know we'll we'll put mario's um company and contact uh info in in the description and um you know uh, feel free to reach out to him direct or connect with us and we could connect you uh but mario i can't i can't thank you enough for uh, th thank you for the opportunity uh no i think the world of you and your organization and uh, happy to uh, to share my experience. Thank you again. Don't forget to follow us. We are on LinkedIn and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. <laughs>